is 94.3 WRHD-FM, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Broadcasting to the Pirate Nation and beyond at 943thegame.com. Do you live ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 943thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to a Monday, May 22nd edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Really big weekend for the Pirates as they clinch a regular season American Athletic Conference Championship. I'm joined by Philip Pilkington in studio. Philip, big weekend for the Pirates as they wrap up their fourth consecutive conference regular season title. Big weekend because they won three games in a row on the road for the second straight series, and they did it coming from behind in two out of the three. Yeah, huge weekend and did what they needed to do. We'll get more into our conversation with Philip the Ref Tokenson coming up in our next segment, but we're joined also live from Clearwater, uh, play-by-play voice for ECU baseball. He is Scott Scooter Rogers. He's live in Clearwater. So how's uh, how's the beach, Scooter? It is uh, very warm here, very warm. <laughs> <laughs> have you got any beach time yet, or is it more uh, more prep time? I uh, have not gotten any beach time yet. That'll probably come uh, after we get at least one win. It's been uh, just kind of adjusting to the hotel and uh, enjoying catching up with some of the other broadcasters around the American and uh, out of the ballpark right now. Team just got finished with practice, had a really good practice, and so they are uh, fired up for tomorrow. Yeah, Scott, let's talk about this trip, and, and, you know, we'll start with the weekend that was, and a, we, we kind of went into the weekend knowing ECU had to take care of business and get some help to win a conference title. They did just that. Just what was your assessment of how the Pirates played? You were there in person. We were watching on TV, of course, here in, back in Greenville, but I uh, did everything they needed to do, so what was your assessment of the Pirates' weekend? Yeah, I mean, they knew it was an important weekend coming in. They knew they had to get that job done, and you could tell that, you know, just the plane ride down here and being around them before that series got started, you knew that they knew what was at stake. And they knew that job coming in. They did a good job of it this weekend. You know, we've seen them come from behind so many times this year. And they did it twice in this series. You know, you had that comfortable victory on Sunday. But for them to, to be on the road, come back from behind twice, and it just shows how much fight has been in this team all season long. And, Knowing that a conference championship was online, I'm sure it had a little bit more behind that, but it was it was really fun to watch them come back from behind, especially win a conference title on the road. Yeah, eight to three win on Thursday, six five on Friday, seven to one on Saturday. That that Friday game was really something else, Scooter. And obviously they they were kind of struggling hitting Nolan Hootie for six innings. He shut him out, and then USF. You know, they're in eighth place in the league for a reason. They make a big mistake on a potential double play ball, but good teams take advantage of that mistake, and that's what ECU did. So that kind of seemed to be the win that really propelled them. Of course, they had to go out and win Saturday. But that Friday game, again, we've talked about it, finding ways to win maybe when you're not playing your best. Just uh, how would you sum up that big win and, and how much that meant at the time? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge win. And, you know, going into that, you know, a lot of people thought that that, that win could actually clinch the conference, depending on what happened in that Cincinnati-Houston game that night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a huge game because, you know, as you said, Nolan Hootie was 
the shutting down ECU, and once they finally started getting him, getting into that bullpen is when they really started to hit the ball. And that's been one thing with this team all year is, you know, they've struggled with some starters here and there, but once they get into other teams' bullpen is when they really start to open up games. And that Cliff Godwin talks about that in pretty much every game, you know, hey, get chase the starter as soon as we can, get into that bullpen, and more than likely you're going to come out on top. And, that was one thing this weekend, and you knew that needed to happen given that South Florida starters were not bad coming in, but you also look at their bullpen numbers and see that you know they're not very good, and we saw that this weekend. And so getting into that bullpen definitely helped. But one thing I thought that East Carolina did a really good job of was trying to limit those big hitters from South Florida this weekend. The freshman Eric Snow did not have a great weekend. Bobby Bozier didn't have that great of a weekend, of course, Drew Brutcher had three home runs in that series, but other than that, didn't do much. And I thought that was one thing that really stood out with the pitching this weekend, how well they performed against a decently offensive club. Yeah, that Brutcher guy, he's uh, he's a problem. That top of the order is legit. ECU will see them again on Tuesday. We'll talk about that in the opening round. We're visiting with Scott Rogers from the ECU Sports Network, play-by-play voice for East Carolina baseball and Scott, forty-one and fifteen, heck of a regular season, no matter each way you slice it. But the thing that we haven't really talked about, I think, as a collective media, is just a uh, really a few weeks ago, everybody was making a big deal about the road record. I think it was five and nine or four and nine, something in that range. Well, ECU reels off seven straight to end the regular season. They finished twelve and nine on the road. Of course, they're twenty-nine and five at home. How much do you think that helps their resume? We can get into the hosting discussion, all that here in a bit, but. Uh, to finish with an above 500 record on the road and, you know, a couple of clean sweeps, big midweek road win at ODU, how much does that help? I think it helps a ton. You know, obviously everybody knows that the American is down this year and you're not getting much RPL, RPI help at all from teams in the American. But it's still a road win on the record. You know, you look, you win three games this weekend. Of course, neutral site games don't really matter that much when it comes to, you know, the selection committee. But, Road games, you know, at the start of the year it was a struggle, but here you just mentioned that Old Dominion win, which that will definitely look good. Um, you know, you had the road win against North Carolina back at the beginning of the year. Wins like that I think would definitely help. Uh, but that road record certainly has improved as the year goes along. And, you know, road record is such a big thing that the selection committee looks at. You know, you look at East Carolina last year, I think that was the big reason why they got that top eight season because of how good that road record was, especially at the beginning of the year. And so, and Coach O has talked about, too, how the committee seems to favor hot teams a lot at the, at the end of the year. You know, you look at East Carolina last year, you look at teams like Ole Miss that were hot to finish the year last year. And so, I think that's also another thing that can help the Pirates put down the stretch, especially if they went out down here in Clearwater. Yeah, ECU winners of 10 of their last 11 regular season games. Could have been 11 of 11 if not for that insane Campbell uh, comeback in the ninth inning. Just that insane game altogether. All right, Scott, so what, what's the conversation like between you, Chip Welch, the director of you know ECU Baseball Media Relations, Coach O, who's on the trip with you guys? Y'all, y'all have to be talking about you know the hosting discussion, where the Pirates could go. I mean, the, the, the fascination this time of year is awesome. I think it's the best time of year for baseball. You look at all the scenarios and so much rides on conference tournament week. But it's, it's fun to be, you know, involved in this discussion, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you know, we talk about it all the time, you know, especially like before games. We're always sitting there watching RPI. One of the first things we do 
after each game as we run and we look at what our RPI jumps through, that sort of thing. But, you know, having Coach Ozier helped so much because he's been on that selection committee before. He knows what to look at, especially, you know, with the possibility of us being a two-seed, one of the highest two-seeds in the tournament, if not the highest. He knows the, the formulas that the NCAA uses on where the SIN teams based off of, you know, where who's hosting in terms of how many teams from a certain conference is hosting because you know that, you know, this conference is not going to be sitting there, that sort of thing. And so he's very knowledgeable on stuff like that, which helps. But kind of talking with us right now, you know, we feel really good about possibly being get sent to Durham if Duke is, ends up hosting. Um, you know, South Carolina could be a spot. Coastal Carolina could be a spot. Uh, Virginia is another spot. Coach O doesn't necessarily think Wake Forest is, you know, a big spot to go to right now just because East Carolina is going to be one of those top two seeds and they're more than likely going to get that number one overall seed. But it's still a possibility there. But all of them are going to be fairly close regional sites. But East Carolina you may have uh, lost oh. Scooter. Scooter, are you still there? I am still here. Can you hear me? All right, we'll try and get Scooter back on. I think he cut out on us. Uh, Can you hear me? All right, we'll go back in the studio. Philip Pilkington back with us. We were talking. We're, we're going to get into this hosting discussion here it's, well, it's, in a second. You, uh, can you hear me, Igev? Because I, I kind of agree with Scooter there from the standpoint of yeah, Wake Forest. There's been some projections Hello? out there that have tied East Carolina to go into Winston Salem, Philip. But as Scooter was kind of saying there. Um, I don't. I just don't see that as a possibility. If ECU's are really hot too, they should not go to the best one in the country. Hey, can you hear me, Igo? Because I was able to hear Scooter the whole time. I think we're uh, we're having some difficulties. I lost some audio, so I tell you what. Let's take a break. We'll uh, we'll be right back on the uh, on hoisted colors on ninety four three. The game. Figure out our technical difficulties. All right, we'll be right back. Fifth Street. The Pirates win their fourth straight regular season AAC championship. This is the Pirate Report on 94.3 The Game. Sponsored by the IBX Pirate Partners, Moore's Old Time Barbecue Chicken and Seafood, Fantastic Sam's Cut in Color, and Caribbean and Emerald Isle. After the game, Coach Godwin talked about what it meant to be conference champions. Yeah, I get chill bumps, you know. I'm just excited for our guys, uh, especially as fifth-year seniors. You know, to have done it four years in a row, it's not easy. You know, it's a lot harder to uh, when you're the hunted than when nobody's looking um, for you to be really good. And uh, just so proud of our guys. And to be honest with you, I was glad that Houston came back and beat Cincinnati, so we had to earn it. And uh, I thought our guys played well today. Really did. I thought you Savage gave us a quality start out there even though he wasn't um, sharp, and then Garrett Southern was unbelievable. Coach Godwin was then asked about the conference tournament and said he's just going to relax for the next couple days. Coach, uh, I'm going to relax for today and tomorrow. It's been a long season, and our guys have grinded through it, and they have 41 regular season wins to be regular season conference champs. My hat's off to those guys, and just thank Pirate Nation for you know supporting us and all of our fans, everybody that was here today. It's just pretty awesome. The Pirates will be back in action against those same South Florida Bulls on Tuesday to start off the AAC tournament. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report. I'm Philip Pilkington. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Steve and I go. How good is this? On 94.3 The Game. 
Welcome back into Hoist the Colors, the Monday edition of the show. Having a little technical difficulties, I was unfortunately able to hear myself in Scooter, but I believe we have him on the phone now. We still have Scooter on the line, is that correct? And I think we have yes, Igo we on as well. But uh, we'll just go ahead and throw it back. Uh, working with Igo. So we're just going to throw it back to Scooter. We appreciate you staying on, Scooter. We know you guys are really busy. You were talking about how you and Coach O brought up the fact that you don't see ECU going to Winston-Salem. Can you uh, finish what you were talking about there? Yeah, you know, what, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that Coach O was saying is because it, with Wake Forest probably going to be that number one overall seed in the tournament, you look at East Carolina, if they don't host, they're going to be if one of the top, if not the top, number two seed in the tournament. And so just when you look at that, that's one thing that he does not see happening, you know, being sent to Wake Forest. But you also have places like Duke. You have Coastal Carolina. Uh, you know, Virginia will be an option. South Carolina is going to be an option. So there's plenty of very close sites that East Carolina could go to if they don't end up hosting a regional this year. You know, it's good to kind of hear that if we are the best two-seed or one of the top two-seeds, we wouldn't go to the number one overall seed as likely Wake Forest will get that. Because that's something you really see in the basketball side of things, where they send the worst two to the best one. But, you know, baseball is a lot more regionalized, so that would be kind of a scary thought being um, – I was non-rewarded for being the best two seed, but you, know, you mentioned some other teams there. Have you brought up to Coach O at all about Coastal? You mentioned Coastal Carolina, but with how many ACC and SEC teams are in this, you, know, you obviously can't play anyone in your conference in the first round of the uh, tournament. Obviously, Super Regionals are a different story. Do you think that could pull us away from a potential bid in Conway as opposed to an ACC school? Yeah, it could because, as you said, you know, there's not – you can't go to a team that's in your conference, and we have so many of these schools right here. You know, that's one thing that, you know, could prevent us from going to Conway, but it's still not out of the question. You know, he still firmly believes that that's a good spot for East Carolina right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this team's going to play anybody anywhere. That's one good thing. Um, you know, they don't back down from, from any competition at all. Um, you know, we've seen that in the past. and. And that's one thing about East Carolina, you know, especially with Cliff Godwin is when you see Cliff Godwin teams go on the road for regional play, those are some of the best teams you have in the postseason with East Carolina. So that's one thing that you also got to keep in mind when people get down about us having to go on the road for postseason play. That's typically when East Carolina plays really good baseball. And this team has done a great job against adversity this year. And I believe we have Igo now back on the line. So I'm going to toss it back over to you, Stephen, so you can finish the interview there with Scooter. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys, about the, the technical difficulties. I think we may have had him figured out. I'll try and join the video here in a bit. Um, Scooter, y'all may have talked about this, but, you know, if ECU runs through the conference tournament, 45 and 15, double champ, and can get back to the top 20 RPI, like, to me, that on paper would be too hard to keep ECU out of a hosting spot. I guess it depends on what other teams do, but, you know, is that a scenario where you feel like the Pirates would be too too high up on the board to keep out of a hosting spot, even if it's 15, 16 seats? I, I really do. You know, that's that's very hard because, as you just said, you have 45 wins. You have a regular season and a tournament title, and at that point you would have won your last 14 or 15 games coming in. That's hard to turn down when you look at an NCAA tournament committee. But, you know, you look at what East Carolina's not, if they do host, they're not going to be that high of a you know, I think maybe somewhere from the 13 to 15 range is probably what you're going to be looking at if you're East Carolina. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's going to be very tough to say no to 
with a hosting game because, you know, I was talking about this with Coach Odie the other day, you know, I can't think of another team the last time that had 45 wins and did not host the region. Right. And I know also later today, Scooter, the, uh, the tournaments or the, the conference release is coming out as far as what awards, who will win with what awards. And I think we're going to see a heavily heavily contingent ECU team. I think that'll be this afternoon, but I feel like you're going to see a lot of Pirates on that list. Of course, uh, we'll see who gets Coach of the Year, Pitcher of the Year, Player of the Year. There's, there's a lot of several candidates in each category. I feel like this has been the most contested year. You could see a lot of different names maybe in those spots, whereas in past years there were some clear-cut candidates. Yeah, and you know, that's one thing, you know, you look at this conference, there's so many options. You know, you look at Coach of the Year, anybody from Cliff Godwin to Todd Whitting to Lauren Hibbs at Wichita State could get that title. And, you know, Lauren Hibbs has a really strong case to get that award. You know, a lot of people don't realize he is the interim head coach of Wichita State, took over a, a really mess with that Wichita State program back in January and got them to a third-place finish, you know, you know, Lauren Hibbs has got a really strong pace for that. When you look at pitchers, uh, you know, Dalton Fowler in Memphis is one. You look at Justin Murray from Houston, and, of course, you got, you know, take your pick of that Wichita State starting rotation. Any one of those guys could really get pitcher of the year. And when you look at overall with all conference, yes, East Carolina's probably got some candidates for player of the year, but – they really don't have that one standout guy like they've had in the past, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you look at you look at them, they got a lot of great players. And so when you look at those first and second team all-conference uh, members when they come out, I think you're going to see a lot of East Carolina players on there. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Last thing, Scooter, we'll let you go. Just going into Tuesday's game against South Florida, any idea on who a pitcher could be for ECU? Is that an announcement that you expect to come later? I, I think it'll be a – a staff day, regardless of what happens. But uh, any idea who the Pirates may go there? Yeah, it sounds like it is going to be Jake Hunter getting the start tomorrow. Um, you know, Jake had that really good outing at the end of the South Florida series. They are one of those games against South Florida came in, got the win, or got the save in that game. But yeah, I, mean, I think regardless, it's going to be a staff day. I think you're going to see a, a plethora of, of East Carolina arms come out, and then. Once you win tomorrow, of course, you get Wednesday off, and then you head into Thursday, which you're going to be facing either, I think, Cincinnati or UCF, whoever wins that game. And so you still have, you know, that's when you start getting into your normal rest rest now. And so I think uh, I think it's going to be Jake Hunter tomorrow from what I'm hearing, and then maybe once you get further into the tournament, you get closer to that regular rotation. All right, he is Scott Rogers, play-by-play voice for ECU Baseball. Sorry for the technical difficulties, Scott. I think we got it figured out. But I uh, appreciate the no, time. No, it's all good. And, just blame, uh, just, hey, hey, just blame Philip if there's any uh, technical difficulties. On. Come yeah, me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm way, way from any of that stuff. I, I don't know how I got thrown into this. It's just more Everything's the rest fault. Yeah, clearly. Right. Clearly. It's no different on this show than it is in any sporting event ever, right? It's the rest fault. That's right. Always the rest of all. We and we appreciate it. Scooter. Uh, enjoy the beach. Get you some. Uh, get you some beach beach time, and don't forget to wear sunscreen. Absolutely. I'm going to get a nice tan when I'm down here. Maybe even Coach O can get out there and get a nice tan as well. Absolutely. All right, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. Yep. That's, that's Scott Rogers, play-by-play voice for East Carolina baseball. All right, we are back. I think we're back. We're back, guys. Philip, you got me? Yeah. We're good. You, well, the question is, do you have me? I had you the whole time. 
I had I have you apparently. Yeah, I don't know what happened. We we lost audio on the YouTube stream too. So I, you know there was some sort of issue, but we got it worked out. Thanks for thankfully the uh, the pirate fans were tuned in. Let us know, and we're back, and we were able to do the workaround with the phone. So I, at at one point I was talking on my phone, and then I saw myself pop up on the screen. Like I guess I can use my mic now. So thanks to Clark and uh, Chris Cook for getting us figured out. We're back, and let's get back into this hosting discussion. I, I, I missed some of it, Philip. I think, with you and Scooter. But, you know, I, I do agree, like, right now, East Carolina is on the outside looking in, most likely. I mean, the, the RPI and the metrics, I don't think, just aren't there. You look at it right now. If you go to warrennolan.com, they kind of have a live RPI. Of course, D1 Baseball has an RPI, too, but it's not updated, you know, game to game as far as I think it's daily at this point. So Warren Nolan's live. ECU is currently 24th in the RPI nationally. And historically, you want to be in that top 16, at least the top 20. Now, last year, Texas A&M did host a super regional as a national seed with the 22 RPI. But they won the SEC West, which is one probably the best, toughest division in all of college baseball. And I think ECU's RPI right now is a little too much to overcome. If you're, But if you're projecting and you think ECU is going to win the conference tournament, if they get to 45 and 15, I, I just don't think a 45 win double champ ECU team can be denied, Philip. Like, I know that the, they're only four and six top 50. I know there's a lot of good teams in the region, but like, I just don't see, if the, I don't see how the committee can look at a 45 win ECU team. They have to do the work to get there, but I don't think that team can be denied of a hosting spot. I, I just, I, I'd have to see it to believe it. Yeah, and one of the big reasons that I think that they should not be denied, you know, with that resume is not only the fact that they are the double champion and they have 45 wins, but you can only control what you can control. And Coach Godwin and his staff went out there and gave ECU a very tough out-of-conference schedule. Their out-of-conference strength of schedule right now is 13. Their out-of-conference RPI is 10. You can't help the league you're in. It's not our fault that the AAC is down and that Houston and Wichita State are the only decent baseball teams in you know in this conference. So I think or I hope the committee will take that into you know a little consideration that we played NC State twice, who is currently twenty six. We played Indiana, who is twenty seven, and North Carolina three times, who is twenty nine, as well as that recency bias. This team has won their last seven road games and twelve of their last fifteen. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing, too, and I brought it up with, with uh, Scooter, but and when I had Cliff Galvin in the studio, I, I made a big deal about the road record because it was a big deal. Like, 5-9 and nine on the road, you're not going to host more than likely. Uh, you know, Tennessee also had a very poor road record. They're still like 4-12 on the road. Like, they're being mentioned as a potential host. 4-12 and 12 with a 186 non-conference strength of schedule. I don't know if that's going to get the job done, you know, as far as being a host team. You know, they're 16-14 and 14 in the SEC. They need a deep run into Hoover in, as far as the SEC tournament. There's just so many teams that the conference tournament is going to make such a big deal, you know, make or break as far as being a host. This is the most teams I can remember, guys, as far as just being in the mix, being considered – so even if the projections come out today, which I haven't been able to check in the last hour if they've come out or not, D1 Baseball or Baseball America, but even if ECU is not included as a host, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I think they can win their way in. And, 
you know, it's just going to come down to like. And the other thing too is if you're if you're if you're continuing to win, and you're on that hosting bubble, and if you get to the weekend and some of those other teams in the SEC lose early, or some of the teams in the ACC go you know one and one or zero and two in their region and don't make it to the semifinals. Well, then you're into the weekend, and you're being talked about more and more in the committee room. You're saying, hey, well, East Carolina's still playing for a conference title, whereas, you know, Duke, let's say, for example, they lose and don't make it to the semifinals. If ECU plays longer than Duke, you're in that conversation more and more and more. And so I, I just think the more you can win, and it starts Tuesday, we'll get into the South Florida matchup here in a little bit, but the more you can win, Philip, the more you can stay on the committee's minds, I think that's only going to help. I agree. And, you know, this kind of reminds me of – bubble teams in college basketball there and how much those conference tournament games mean. But, you know, this is just obviously the bubble for hosting. And I'm about to say something that's going to tick off a lot of ECU fans. I mean, I am going to get railed on Twitter for this, but we have to be big NC State fans this week. Because if by some miracle NC State goes 2-0, and meaning Duke or Miami went 0-2 and one of them went 1-1, and I think that could be a huge boost for the Pirates. Obviously, Duke lost twice last week. However, that was down in Coral Gables to the Hurricanes. And then um, Miami lost one of those games. They took two out of three to Duke. But you know, going back to your point, Stephen, yeah, I think the longer you're in this thing, and yes, we aren't playing the same competition, but you know, at the end of the day, like I said, you can only control what you can control. And there are a lot of teams, if you look at this, group, this cluster that's right ahead of East Carolina and the RPI, that will have to play each other. So you got Oklahoma State, Texas, and West Virginia. They're all in the Big 12. Not all three of those teams can win their conference. We talked about Duke and Miami. They are not only in the same conference, they're in the same pod in the conference tournament, so only one of those two teams can advance. You've got Auburn up here, Tennessee, Alabama, all these teams in the same conference, and hopefully the committee does take that into consideration, hopefully on Sunday when the Pirates are still playing, and a handful of these teams that we just named are not. I want to bring up a team that's fascinating to me from the standpoint of what does the committee do with them. All right, South Carolina. As a number six RPI, they're they're 16 and 13 in the SEC. They're 19 and 14 top 50, and you know again top six RPI, 38 wins. But they're not even ranked in the top 25 anymore. Uh, they lost another series this past weekend at home to Tennessee, which had not won a road series previously. T- uh, South Carolina, I believe, has lost six of their last seven series. And so should they just be rewarded as a host because they have an RPI by virtue of being in the SEC? Like I just don't – you know, there has to be – not all these SEC teams can host. Kentucky's kind of in the same boat. Yeah, they have the number two RPI, but how good have they really been playing down the stretch? Uh, they only have – they're only two games over 500 in, in that conference. So I just feel like some of these teams are being seen as slam dunk hosts or being considered as hosts ahead of ECU when – I just don't think they all can host. But what would you do with South Carolina, Philip, if you're the committee? Because they've got the metrics, but the eye test and the recency test tell you they, they really don't deserve to host as of now. You know, obviously I've never been on a committee, and this maybe is a better Coach O question, because I've always wondered with baseball, with basketball, how much does the committee take in that recency bias as, you know, 
compared to the entire body of work that they've been doing since the beginning of the season. I personally, Stephen, do believe in a recency bias. I believe you are only as good as the last game you've played. And, you know, if a team was really, really good at the beginning of the season and they've fallen off, they're injured, whatever it may be, that's not the team that's going to be showing up to the tournament. So I believe a team like South Carolina, who, like you said, has lost six of their last seven series. And like you said, gave Tennessee their first road series win of the season. Yet, to me, they've got to be on the bubble. They can't be a slam dunkers. They definitely shouldn't be a national seed. I mean, they have a winning record in the toughest conference in baseball, but they're only 16-13. and 13. It's not like they have a phenomenal record. you get got teams like Arkansas, who have won 20 of their 30 contests. LSU is 19-10. and 10. And, you know, here we are, South Carolina, sitting at 16-13. and 13. To me, yeah, put them on that bubble. See how they do in the conference tournament. They are going to play tougher competition in the conference tournament than a team like East Carolina, like Coastal Carolina, like Dallas Baptist. But um, at the end of the day, they need to prove right now that they can play with the big boys and deserve to be a top 16 seed. And it's something I haven't seen over the last two months. Yeah, so teams to watch before we take our break and get more into the conference tournament on the other side. Teams to watch this weekend, or this week if you're an East Carolina fan. South Carolina, definitely one of those on the hosting bubble. Indiana State is another team that's kind of similar to ECU, yet they've dominated their league, have a really high RPI. They're in the hosting mix, but they're just 2-9, and nine, top 50. If they go on to win their conference tournament, it's going to be tough to keep them out as well. Uh, Dallas Baptist from Conference USA falls in that same boat. Uh, keep an eye on them. You've also got Campbell in the mix. And then you mentioned the, the Big 12 teams, West Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma State. I don't think all three of those host, but I think you could see two hosts, depending on how they do in the conference tournament. So keep an eye on them, Miami, Duke, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama as well, and, and Boston College. So, again, a lot of teams to watch. Uh, if you're ECU, you want all those teams I just mentioned to lose as early as possible. And, of course, ECU has to win or none of this matters. So, uh, I tell you what, Phil. Let's get in our second break, and on the other side, we'll look at the conference tournament, the path ECU faces. We got a couple of questions we got to get to on uh, on social media as well. We'll we'll answer those and continue on on hoist the colors on ninety four three the game. Here ninety four three the game anytime. Hey, what's happening, man? What's happening? Help! Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is hoist the colors with Stephen Igo on ninety four three the game. All right, welcome back into the show. Hoist the Colors, 94-3, the game. We're rolling right along. Uh, we had a question on uh, Facebook earlier. Richard Allsbrook wanted to know about if Duke and South Carolina falling out of the top 25 impacts ECU or impacts their hosting chances. And, again, we talked about it, Philip, before we get into this conference tourney discussion. Philip Pilkinson joined us in the studio as we uh, preview the conference tournament, talk about ECU's postseason aspirations. But it, it comes down to what the committee values. You know, do they put any stock in the rankings? Do they put any stock in what's happened lately? So I think a lot of it just depends on how they view that and, again, how these teams perform in the conference tournament. If South Carolina goes on a run, makes the tournament title. If Duke goes to the semifinals or conference championship, it's going to be tough to keep them out. So a lot depends on this week. But I definitely think it doesn't hurt ECU's chances as well. All right. We had a question on Twitter earlier, Philip, and this should be a a pretty good discussion. Um, somebody wants to know as far as, you know, basically what – I think it was Christian Bateman who asked the question. Yeah. What can East Carolina take from the South Florida series they did not do well? 
and do better against. He also asked who was going to get the start. We we just heard Jake Hunter will likely start via Scott Rogers. But what do you feel like ECU struggled against versus South Florida? They can do better on Tuesday in the rematch. I just thought their defense wasn't very crisp, and you know that might have a little bit to do with playing on a turf field. Uh, we had some weird balls that were boxed by Jacob Starling, um, particularly there in the Saturday morning contest. But, you know, as much as there were great catches and great defensive plays, it was a lot of the routine plays that kind of uh, concerned me. And, you know, that's something that is uncharacteristic of this team. We have a pretty good fielding percentage, not quite as good as it was a year ago when we were one of the top fielding teams in the country. But I think at the end of the day, it's one of those things you can just kind of mentally reset as long as you – realize that that was a problem, um, you know, and you can be honest with yourself. You just kind of have a mental reset, and I don't think it's going to be an issue this week down in Clearwater. The best thing, Philip, is this game will be on uh, natural grass and dirt, so so no more turf, at least for this week. I know that's a positive. It is. It definitely is. I don't even think they should be allowed to play baseball on turf. I think it's just dumb. I understand our field having foul territory. Yeah, I understand our field having foul territory turf, but balls just take such weird bounces. I mean, even, you know, I didn't play baseball at a high level. I played some as a kid, but even a football bounces different on a fumble on turf, and I could not imagine fielding a ground ball on turf. I think it's just dumb. Yeah, I just don't know how you can be in Tampa, Florida, and not have natural grass, natural dirt. And and at least if you're going to have that, at least have a dirt mound. Yeah. I mean, come on now. It's just, it just, listen, I talked about it Friday. I'm not going to get into it again, but it's just disappointing that basically every team in the American now has turf. It's just, it's ridiculous, man. I think UCF has grass, and maybe that's it outside of ECU. Well, and I, um, I don't know about all the teams we're getting, but Charlotte has recently gone to turf. The last time we were there back in 2020, a week before the shutdown, they had uh, natural grass and dirt, but I've noticed they went to turf as well. Gotcha. Well, uh, maybe hey, as long as ECU does not go turf yeah, please. in baseball. You know, I, Joey, please do not. Joey Perry, do not go turf. <laughs> hey, I think Joey, if he had his way, he would never go turf. But there, look, there's maintenance. And you got to pay somebody like Joey to maintain it, you know. As if you don't have that grass, maybe you don't have to pay somebody. But to me, the game is just so much more pure and better to be played on that. Um, all right. So, what, what do you make of Jake Hunter potentially getting the start, according to Scott Rogers, Philip? I mean, I thought he played. He's pitched really well this year. He's been more of a reliever lately. Of course, he started some midweek games, but uh, he got the save in the Friday game. Came out throwing ninety five, ninety six. I, I assume that was accurate. Uh, it was on the uh, ESPN feed, but that was straight gas. Scooter thought it was not accurate, and uh, he kind of joked with Jake after the game. It was something he, he even Scooter even said on air. So I'm not breaking right. any news. And uh, Jake thinks that might have been a little juiced because Scooter was even saying that all the pitchers seemed a little high. But hey, you know what? Hey, we saw 95-96, maybe we should just take it. No, but I think it's a good thing. You know, Jake Hunter is one of the few pitchers on this team that has been used in a starting role and a relief role, and I don't see really a difference in his production starter to relief. I mean, obviously he has his good days and his bad days like anyone else, but it doesn't seem like he is always better at one than the other. And it's a guy who, like you mentioned, only threw a third of an inning this week with – 
the success we had this week on the mound, I would, wouldn't mind seeing Danny Bill. I mean, he threw six and a third. However, I don't know if yeah. he's quite ready yet just because that was on a – well, it was Thursday. So it would be about five days, four days rest, which for a major league player would be a normal, but a little short for college with how many pitches he threw. So that's kind of who I was hoping. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, Jake Hunter brings the energy as we see him down there on the uh, – on the dugout when the opposing team has a mound visit, and he's uh, just one of those guys that the team seems to rally well behind. And, you know, like we mentioned, he's got a fresh arm. So I think definitely a good decision by Coach Godwin. And I think, too, if for whatever reason Jake Hunter struggles early in the game, I think Danny Bill could be one of the first guys out of the pen. Sailor as well. He did throw Saturday, but he'll have, of course, Sunday and Monday to rest so he can maybe come back, uh, you know, for an inning or two. And if he didn't have to throw Saturday – you know, maybe he gets to start Tuesday. But, you know, I like the, the potential of bringing out, if you even need to, you could bring out Root out of the bullpen, although they seem to like him as a starter right now. South Florida, from what I noticed in their series, very fastball heavy as far as trying to hit the fastball. Uh, and, and Jake Hunter is more of a fastball pitcher, which I don't want to say concerns me, but it will be interesting to watch that matchup. And two, it, I think Spivey said it after Friday's game where he was basically like, look, our game plan was to throw a lot of breaking pitches, cutters, get them off the fastball. And so it's just all hands on deck because winning the tournament, and we can talk about this, you have to stay in the winner's bracket, Phillip. I mean, ECU has the most pitching depth, and David Richmond comments on, on Facebook saying, you know, ECU's pitching depth is set up to win the tournament. And they do have the best pitching depth in the league, but it's still – next to impossible to come out of the loser's bracket because if you lose Tuesday, then you got to win Wednesday. Then you have to win Friday. Then you have to win twice Saturday. So they could win Wednesday. They could win Friday. It's just ne- next to impossible to win twice on Saturday. And then you got to turn around and try to win Sunday. So uh, to win five games in a row in five days is, is, is brutal. Uh, you want to stay in that winner's bracket. You want to do everything to win that first game. Um, and I think you throw the kitchen sink at it. If you need to go Spivey, Root, Bill out of the bullpen to win that first game, you do it and go for it that way. So, um, And, again, we'll talk about the other teams in, in the, the bracket. Cincinnati and UCF are on ECU side, Phillip. How about this? The Pirates went 12-0 and against the competition on their side of the bracket. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing uh, heading into this tournament. You know, right now we'll just start. It was, I'm going to start with Cincinnati because we played them the most. Cincinnati, yeah. the last few years, has not been able to figure out ECU at all. So I feel good about them. Of course, you know, every day is a new day. Um, but obviously South Florida, we know what we're getting. They know us. We know them, which is great because we just saw them. The unfortunate thing is they know us. Um, but, they, I mean, they've been the worst team all year. I mean, I guess them and Tulane, but, you know, at the end of the day, USF's been bad, so you know, not really as worried about those two. UCF, that's the interesting one. That's one of those teams where, yeah, the Pirates played good against them earlier this year. We did sweep them, right? I believe we did. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They but, swept uh, UCF at home. Yeah, but again, at home. And that's one of those teams yep. where I know it's not going to be a home game for them. You don't have a lot of fans showing up, but. Clark LeClaire Stadium is a very tough place to play. And Central Florida has always played East Carolina tough, whether it be home, away, or a neutral site. So I think that's the tough one um, in this bracket. But at the end of the day, I mean, 
you have to say we got the easier side. You don't have Houston. You don't have Wichita State. Um, Memphis is just one of those weird teams. They can jump up and beat anybody on any given day, but they can also be the worst team in the conference on any given day, it seems like. So they're kind of scary good, but scary bad as well. So I, I like our half of the bracket. What are your thoughts, dude? Yeah, I think it is a pretty favorable draw as far as winning. Now, the thing that hurts you is you're not going to get a top 100 RPI game against anybody on your side of the bracket. UCF is the closest at 110, so if you're looking for RPI help, you're not going to get it, except maybe if you play UCF, you might get a little bump. But going neutral site with 151 Cincinnati and I think like 170 USF now, yeah, 175 USF. You know, you're just not going to make a, a RPI bump. So the good news is winnable games, for sure. Uh, and if you win games, and even if you get small or no RPI bumps, if teams in front of you lose, which we talked about earlier, a lot of those teams are playing each other, you could move up in the RPI. But uh, I definitely think from a matchup perspective, ECU's in a good spot. Um, you can make the argument, of course, it's hard to beat a team four times in a row. You know, it's also hard to beat – a team seven times in a row. Cincinnati is due to beat ECU, but I just think ECU's pitching is so much better, specifically than USF and Cincinnati. UCF kind of worries me a little bit, um, but you know, this at the end of the day, Phil, if ECU goes out and plays their game, I just don't think they're going to lose. I think they're the best team in this conference for a reason. They are for sure, and you know, I think we we hit on it. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before that, you know, and it might it may have been something I hit on. I think it was actually Chris and I hit on it on Patrick's show last Tuesday that, you know, at the end of the day, what you said is 100% true. This is the best team in the conference. And not saying that if we play great, somebody can't jump up and have a better day, especially in a sport like baseball. You know, it's not football where the best team is always going to 100% win. But at the end of the day, limit the errors. Hit with guys in scoring position. You know, in the Saturday game this past week, the Pirates were 4-for-4 four four with guys on third base and less than two outs. If you can keep that stat up, you can continue to not make a lot of errors. Like you said, nobody should beat us. Obviously, get to a Sunday, one game good is done. You know, against a team like Houston, you never know. But that pitching depth is a big thing because, you know, we've, it seems like every series we preach the same thing, right? Get through that starter. And they've got a bad bullpen, and that's every team in this conference, except for these Carolina yep. Pirates. Yeah, they're all bad. And I can tell you because we've seen them all at this point. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The only one we didn't see was Wichita because ECU couldn't get to the bullpen. But Fair I heard enough. they're bad as well. Um, we had somebody text in earlier. Pirate Al says, isn't John Gilbert on the selection committee for the NCAA? That can't hurt. So he will be – he, I think, is training this summer. His appointment does not officially start until September. So I guess he will have some contacts, but he will not technically be on the committee yet, Al. But it certainly doesn't hurt to have those connections and definitely go into future years as well. All right, on the other side, we're going to switch gears, maybe talk about a future pro pirate. Gavin Williams knocking on the door to Major League Baseball. Uh, call up potentially we'll talk about that in our final segment also ecu just added another transfer commitment we'll tell you who that is on the other side as well you're listening to hoist the colors on 90 climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors back to the show with steve and i go on 94.3 the game Colors on 94.3, the, the game. Programming note for tomorrow, 
We're going to have a pregame show of sorts. Uh, we, we may or may not have Mike Oresco, American Athletic Conference Commissioner. We're trying to get him on at some point this week, but tomorrow's show, basically how long it lasts depends on what the first game of the conference tournament does. So, for example, of course, we're going to carry the game on 94-3 the game. Scott Rogers, who you heard from earlier, will have the call. Cincinnati UCF open tournament play at 9 a.m. This show, of course, comes on at 12 noon. Well, 47 minutes after game one is when ECU will take on South Florida. They have a 15-minute pregame show for the broadcast, so we could be here the full hour. We could be here 15, 20 minutes. It just depends on what the first game does. So we'll kind of have a fluid pregame for the pregame show tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about the pitching matchups, as that will be finalized at that point, and also dive more into the conference tournament on tomorrow's show. Wednesday. We're going to have Anthony Broom, who covers the Michigan Wolverines for On3 Sports. He's going to join us, and we're going to dive into an early look at Michigan, who, of course, ECU opens with this fall, September 2nd. So we'll start our football offseason previews on Wednesday. Thursday, we're going to have Amanda Moore in studio, who is the women's lacrosse coach, to recap their season as well. And then Friday, we're scheduled to have Mike Houston Join us via the phone to talk about some transfer additions to the roster. Speaking of that, East Carolina got a new commitment. He's actually been committed a while, just hasn't announced it. Philip, we've talked a lot about the transfer commitments this offseason, and we talked about the need to add some competition at punter. Well, they did just that. Mississippi State transfer Archer Trafford, whose real name is Charles, but he is a he's basically an Olympian archer. And he got the nickname Archer uh, for that reason. So he's coming to, to ECU with two years of starting experience at Mississippi State, averaged 42.4 yards per punt. And we've talked about it through this show, since this show debuted. Mike Houston's staff continues to add key pieces at positions of need to upgrade this roster, and this is another example of that. They did, and you know what I love about it is the two years of starting, as well as the good numbers. But the specialist, I'm not always as worried what schools they come through, because at the end of the day, you still got to punt the ball, you still got to kick the ball, you still got to snap the ball if you're a long snapper. But the fact that he's got two years of experience starting at the college level, pretty good, you know, average numbers there, 42.5 yards a punt. I think this is big because competition can only help. It's only going to help him as well as the other guys get better. And the one thing you cannot have, especially at the collegiate level because it's not like you can just cut a guy and pick up a new guy next week is the thing you cannot overvalue is that competition the fact that you have two or three guys uh, fighting for those spots of kicker and punter yeah all those spots long snapper kicker punter all going to be up for grabs this preseason which I think just promotes the health of the team interesting quote of course Mike Leach his former coach in Mississippi State passed away but nickname was the pirate because of his fascination for all things pirate. He said, when I came on my official visit, I kept having reminders of my former coach, Mike Leach. And he said that he was walking around, saw a Leach jersey on the back of EC, which is probably Vontae Leach's jersey, but still a cool sign. And then when he sat down for a meal, he saw the Mike Leach documentary on TV. The pirate theme, he just felt like it was the right fit for him. So he'll be starting classes this week. One other note before we get out of here, Gavin Williams, nine strikeouts in his fifth AAA start. How much longer can they keep this guy in the minor leagues, Philip? Uh, I would say not long, especially because of the fact that if you look at their rotation right now, they're really still looking for that fifth guy, the Cleveland Guardians, and maybe even a fourth guy. So I think with the numbers he's putting up, we saw it in Double A last year, Double A early this season. Now he's doing it in Triple A. 
He does have a loss to his resume, but if you look at it, he only gave up one earned run in that loss in five and two-thirds innings. Doesn't sound like it was Gavin's fault. I think they've got to promote him sooner than later. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Two and one with a two one zero ERA, thirty six strikeouts and twenty five innings. I think he'll be there in the majors sooner than later, especially with the Guardians needing the starter. All right, this was fun. Thanks to Scott Rogers. Thanks to Philip Pilkington, Clark Willis, and Chris Cook. We'll be back tomorrow with a pregame show heading into ECU's conference tournament opener. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors on ninety four three The Game. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates win their fourth straight regular season AAC championship. This is the Pirate Report on 94.3 The Game. Sponsored by the IBX Pirate Partners, Moore's Old Time Barbecue Chicken and Seafood, Fantastic Sam's Cut in Color, and Carib Sea and Emerald Isle. After the game, Coach Godwin talked about what it meant to be conference champions. Yeah, I get chill bumps. You know, I'm just excited for our guys, uh, especially fifth-year seniors. You know, to have done it four years in a row, it's not easy. You know, it's a lot harder to uh, when you're the hunted than when nobody's looking um, for you to be really good. And uh, just so proud of our guys. And to be honest with you, I was glad that Houston came back and beat Cincinnati, so we had to.